not knowing things. I don't like being unprepared by my lack of knowledge. I don't like when people spring stuff on me last minute and I don't have time to prepare. There are many factors for this. But you know what I like the most about God or the cosmic being that is out there? That I'm not expected to know everything. When I reference God in this podcast, I'm not defining that in any particular way. Currently, I am holding that term very loosely in my own life and give you lots of grace to those who are doing the same. It might seem contradictory that I would hate not knowing things, but love that I don't have to know things about God. Or maybe it makes perfect sense to you. For me, it is a release that I don't have to have all the answers, that God is bigger than I could ever imagine. Even though this is how I feel, I still struggle with not knowing. Here are some things that I currently don't know about. How can the white evangelical Christian God love everyone, yet it is expected that people deny who they are, arguably who God created them, if they do not fit a certain mold? How can this God claim to be for all people and yet condemn so many to the fires of hell? Also, is there even a hell? That's my biggest question currently. This is an area that I need to do more studying in. I have a lot of other questions. I'm sure you do too. All of your questions are valid and worthy of space. Please ask them and never be afraid that God will not like you. I think God appreciates it when their creation participates in the activity of refining what they believe by questioning it. I'm fairly convinced that what the church looks like today is not what Jesus pictured it would be when he came to earth to bring salvation. It's okay if you are not sure what role Jesus holds in your faith. I'm right there with you. If you know exactly what place Jesus holds in your faith, that's wonderful. I'm not here to question you and where you are at this deconstruction process. I only bring up Jesus to look at history. What I'm talking about here is the man Jesus as a teacher of inclusion and love. At all times, he was shocking his followers by the people he hung out with. The worst people in society were the ones Jesus was friends with. He uplifted the oppressed and condemned the oppressor. Even when they were of the same faith, he never sought power. Many believed the Messiah would be a powerful political entity that raised an army and fought against earthly kingdoms. But he was not. He talked with children and healed bleeding women. At times, I take issue with the New Testament. This comes out of the way that I was taught Christianity. My teaching comes from a conservative denomination and the New Testament was used to support their views. I no longer agree with these views, but at times it is hard to separate their teaching from what the New Testament is actually teaching. Even with my reservations about the New Testament, I love reading the stories about Jesus' interactions 
with the lowly. He shows them love always and condemnation never. I would like to take some time here to tell you some stories about how Jesus treated people. The woman at the well. One day, Jesus was traveling and stopped to rest near a well. The disciples had left to get food from town. A woman came to get some water from the well. Jesus asked her for some water. She questions why Jesus, who is a Jew, would ask her a Samaritan. Jesus then tells her that he can give her living water and tells her to bring her husband. She replies that she has no husband. Jesus says, what you say is true. You have had five husbands, and the man you are currently with is not your husband. After a bit more conversation, the Samaritan woman goes into town and tells the people the good news that Jesus shared with her. Many of us ex-evangelical Christians know that gospel means good news. This woman, who has had five husbands and is living with a man that she is not married to, preached the gospel to her Samaritan town, and many believed that day. Women can preach. Jesus used this woman to convert an entire town. Never once does he condemn her for extramarital relationship. The Bleeding Woman There was a woman who bled for 12 years. She was poor and out of options because she had been going to different doctors, hoping that someone would be able to help her. Keep in mind that her bleeding made her unclean in Jewish culture. Any person who touched her would also be unclean. Not only did she become impoverished due to the doctor visits, have poor health because of the bleeding for 12 years, she had also been left out of community for those 12 years because she was unclean. One day, she saw Jesus in a crowd of people and was so Desperate, she thought, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. She reaches out, touches it, and is healed. But Jesus felt power leave his body and asks, who touched him? She steps forward and Jesus tells her, her faith has healed her. Instead of Jesus becoming unclean from this interaction, the woman becomes clean after all those years of struggling. Jesus lifts her back into a fuller place in society through the healing. There are many more stories about Jesus and how he interacts with those the society has decided to cast aside. Each one teaches us that Jesus is love. Jesus only condemns those that have power and privilege. For others, he elevates them. He brings them closer to full inclusion. Jesus is teaching that each person has intrinsic worth. Each person is worthy of a spot at the table for being who they are. Nothing more, nothing less. This is the model he left for the church. There is a period of time after Jesus dies 
that his followers make a church, I think he would have been proud of. These churches were typically groups of people meeting in someone's home. They were run by women and slaves. It was a community where people looked after each other, and there was a great spread of religion. There is one thing you need to know about the culture before I share this next part. In that culture, women and men were not considered equal, and each sex belonged to a different set of roles and places. Men were thought of as rational beings. Women were thought of as emotional or irrational beings. They separated society into the public sphere and the private sphere. It was thought women were less because they were emotional or irrational, and therefore they were forced into the private sphere. They were not allowed to be involved in things like politics because women should not hold roles outside of their homes. This belief was upheld by their thoughts on philosophy. It is clear that the top minds of the day said it was best to be rational, and because only men can be rational, they are the only ones allowed to take up space outside of the home. This is important because it helps us to understand what came next in the life of the church. The beginning is formed in the private sphere. Women and slaves are the leaders of Christianity at this time. There is persecution and people die for their belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Then comes Constantine. This ruler is like many rulers and does what will bring him the most power. During a crucial battle, Constantine and his men saw a cross-shaped trophy formed by light with the words, By this conquer, on the sign. Later that night, Constantine had a dream that Christ came to him and told him to make the sign and it would protect him and his soldiers in battle. Soon, Constantine issued the Edict of Milan, which ended Christian persecution. This is a great turning point in Christianity. When it is declared a state religion, suddenly it shifts from being in the private sphere to the public. This is when we see great numbers of people become Christians because they have to and because it is politically advantageous. Constantine is also the one who pushed for ecumenical councils and formation of strict dogma within the Christian faith. In addition to the political side of things, philosophy also made a great impact on Christianity. Men began to take over the leadership. Philosophy was central to how they saw the world, and we can clearly see how their philosophy influenced their religion. These men took Christianity and made it into a religion of hierarchy and power. They made their understanding of philosophy into their understanding of religion. It is clear why they pushed women out of leadership. It is clear why they interpret the Bible to support that view. What I find funny is when conservative Christians say they want church to be like it was back in the good old days. I don't believe they understand what the church truly looked like. 
I think they would be appalled that women and slaves were the leaders. In the United States, the white evangelical Christians believe and practice a Christianity that was born out of a philosophical interpretation of the Bible that limit the humanity of women, which later is also a limitation to people who are not white. They follow a Christianity that was shaped by political power. I may not know my theology of who Jesus is, but I am certain this is not the religion he came and died for. As soon as the first political person usurped Christianity, there has been power and hierarchy woven into its DNA. The great fathers of Christianity had power when they should have had humility. They used their position to strengthen their power instead of to empower everyone. Thinking about this through my former evangelical lens, I can see people arguing that the Reformation addresses the power and hierarchy that was found in the Catholic tradition. I will say that there are important things within Christianity that came out of the Reformation. One of the best things in my eyes is the push for lay people to read scripture. I think it is imperative for each Christian to read the Bible for themselves. It was not until I had done so myself that I felt more qualified to question my faith. It also gives a fuller picture of what we see of God in the Bible and some of the questions other people have raised about Christianity. Overall, the Reformation is led by men. Again, men are the ones in charge of deciding interpretation and doctrine. This is not God's plan. You can clearly see how God raises the voices of the voiceless through the actions of Jesus. Even though the Reformation addressed a few important issues, there are things missing. My first taste of something more, of something rooted in the uplifting of the lowly, was at my Jesuit college. I was reading through the book of Job and reading a commentary on it by Gustavo Gutierrez, assigned by my professor. The book was a commentary on Job through the lens of liberation theology. And what a beautiful theology. There are so many different theologies out there that are rooted in the uplifting of the downtrodden. This is what the world needs. This is the Christianity Jesus taught his followers. It is theology like this that I am not yet ready to throw my Christianity in the garbage. There are people who know God and know God's love and know that this love is boundless. Not like the churches who say they are welcoming, but have a list of rules you must follow. If one says they love, they must love the whole person as God made them not love them after they have altered their being to fit the tiny view of goodness that is held by the other. In your process of questioning, identify some of the first questions you started to ask. How was that received by the people around you? Did anyone give you space for that question? Did you give yourself space? What are the questions that you have now? Take a minute 
How do you feel about these questions? Sometimes my questions are liberating to me. Other times they make me so sad because of the loss that comes with understanding a new answer to the question. Sometimes the sadness is from missing out on a beautiful part of God for so long and having thought I was misrepresenting God when I started to think a new way. Whatever feelings come up for you, I just want you to notice them and give them space. Thank you for joining me today as we tackle some tough stuff. I hope you are able to Take the time and energy to delve a little deeper. Never stop questioning. If you would like to ask questions of me or pose some questions for me to discuss on the podcast, please let me know at youngcrone at jacksmountainselfcare.co. Thank you for listening.